How's everybody doing so far today? Just pulling up my notes here. Um, I was really excited that uh, out of all of the, the if I was going to preach one message in this series, it was going to be on this book. We're doing a, a series through the Minor Prophets, and I get Jonah, so I'm really excited about that. Um, how many of you heard this story? Um, it was maybe the first Bible story you ever heard. The Jonah and the whale is how you call it. Any, anybody, how many of you have never heard the story of Jonah and the whale? Um, there's a couple of you, and, and uh, I was surprised um, uh, when I was a, a youth pastor, a number, well, I'm still a youth pastor, but I was a youth pastor in a church a number of years ago, and I had a, a student come uh, into our youth ministry, and I was, I was preaching something completely different. I'm like, and, and I used the story of, of Jonah and the whale as an example of a point that I was making, and like, you all, you all know the story, right? And she was like, no. And this is a girl who had been raised in church, so I was was, it was really, really kind of shocking. Um, but if you've never heard it, um, today is your day. You get to hear the, one of the most incredible um, stories in the Bible. Um, and uh, Jonah's kind of interesting. This, this picture is kind of illustrates um, just how, how it is. This is how a lot of people view it. There's a giant, enormous whale. I don't know what a whale is doing in the Mediterranean, but... Uh, <laughs> It wasn't really a, ra- a whale. We'll get to that. But a whale came and swallowed up Jonah, and it's just this incredible story um, that we all think back. It's like, uh, how many of you uh, imagine what would it be like if I was inside that whale? Just like, um, yeah, uh, there's a, there, a movie I was trying to think of. It was uh, Pinocchio, I think, and uh, isn't he like on some kind of a, a shipwreck or something? He gets swallowed by a whale, and, and you, you see poor Pinocchio sitting on a raft, um, and then it, and he kind of lights a candle or something, and it, and it illuminates this giant cave that he's in, and he realizes that his cave has rib bones, and it's all just anatomically bizarre. Um, just the, this idea of what it must have been like to be inside a whale. It was, it was not like that at all. Um, like I said, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but um, what sets the book of Jonah apart? Um, there's a couple of things that are really interesting before we really dig into the text that set Jonah apart. Um, one thing is out of the 12 minor prophets, if you go to any of them, it begins with the words, um, something like, uh, the, the word of the Lord came to blank, one of the, the prophets. And what's interesting about, about Jonah um, is that while all of the other books, in, if you read through them, they all have these blasting messages for, for Judah, for Israel, for uh, several of the surrounding countries, of all these things that God was going to do. It was, uh, many of them were conditional. It's like kind of a turn or burn sort of thing. It, there's all this doom and gloom, like uh, there's judgment coming for you, Israel. You've been sinning, and God wants to set you back on the right path. Or Judah, you, you've turned away. Or all you other nations, you've been coming against my people. Look out! Um, it's all coming. But what's interesting about Jonah is we don't really hear any of his message at all. We hear about him. And that's, that's what really sets this book apart for me, is we don't hear about the message so much as we hear about the messenger um, and about the one who sent him. Um, so uh, uh, before we look at some scripture, let's pray really quick. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, for your compassionate, uh, incredible love. And God, I just pray that that love would be illuminated in our hearts today. God, we'd have a deeper understanding of it. God, that we'd have uh, a greater sense of purpose for what you want in our lives. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. 
So um, another thing that's interesting about the book of Jonah is a lot of people um, think it's just a fake story. They're like, there's no way that uh, a fish came and swallowed Jonah and then threw him up. That's just weird. Um, uh, and, and there's a lot of argument. Um, there's, there's been some prominent um, people. I, I think of a, there's a band called Gunger, which I'm really into, or was. Um, they have really great music. Um, they had a song called You Make Beautiful Things. Some of you might know that one. Um, but they, they kind of came uh, around a, a few years ago and said, you know what, we're, we're changing our stance on a lot of theology. There's all these stories in the Bible that we just don't think are true, so we're not going to believe them anymore. And among them, besides this one, Jonah and the whale, they, they, the, the creation story, and there are several others that they're said, we're just going to throw it out. Um, but I'm going to show you here in a second why we should take the book of Jonah seriously. Um, this first scripture here, just to illustrate it, Matthew 12. Um, this is Jesus talking. How many of you say Jesus is a pretty credible source? If Jesus says something, it's, you're probably going to tend to believe it. Uh, anybody disagree with that? Jesus says this. He said, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, Jesus saying, um, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish... So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He's, of course, talking about being in the tomb and, uh, and talking about uh, his resurrection. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with his generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Who's he talking about? Himself. And then he goes on and says, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with his generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now what makes this interesting is we can go back through historical records and we can find the, when the queen of Sheba came and visited Solomon. It's in their records. It's in, it's in the, the Bible, like different nations' records. It was a pretty big deal. She was a really powerful person, went to visit another really powerful person. People write about stuff like that. Um, and so Jesus is saying that this historical fact is, holds the same weight, it's set to the same standard as Jonah and the great fish. Jesus is, is recalling back to a historical event, something that actually happened, that they all know about and they talk about, and, and compares it to this visit from the Queen of Sheba. So um, if Jesus says that it's fact, I tend to believe that uh, if Jesus says something, I, I'm going to believe it too, right? Um, we also know that, the, uh, looking through uh, records, that Nineveh did experience... Um, some kind of a, uh, a spiritual awakening, and, uh, and that's noted from several, several different people. So, so as we go through this today, I want you just to don't think of it as a fake story. Don't think of it as a, a children's, like, a parable just to get people to, like, see a deeper truth. Um, but see it as a historical uh, uh, event that actually happened, all right? So we're going to um, go through this. It's a short book. Um, but follow along with me as we read. I'm in the ESV, and you'll see it on the screen. It says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. I love how twice in these few short verses, um, 
the author wants us to know that Jonah was trying to get away from God. Flee the presence of the Lord. And uh, if, you, if you've listened, um, if you if you've know, know anything about God, you know one thing. What's that? You can't get away from him. <laughs> you, can, you can run, but you can't hide, right? Um, God, uh, some people are, are actually afraid of that. They, they think like, oh, I can't hide any of my bad stuff from God because he's going to come down and destroy me. He's going to like topple my house of cards. He's going he's gonna to make me feel hor- like a horrible human being and send me to, to burn in hell forever. Um, that is not God's heart. Um, if, you, if you die in sin, there, there is consequences for that. We do believe in a literal hell. Um, and we do believe that um, if you are unrepentant and have not given your heart to Jesus, you will spend eternity in hell. But that is not God's heart. God's heart is a heart of love. His heart is for, is for, um, is for us. And so uh, Jonah was trying, he didn't understand this. He was trying to get away from God. And, and uh, what's interesting to me is we see Jonah, we saw him in Matthew. He's actually in Matthew a couple times. He's in Luke, but it's all talking about that same thing, the sign of Jonah. But we see Jonah one other time in Scripture, and it's in 2 Kings. Um, and we're not going to go to the verse, but it just it talks about how there was a prophet named Jonah who's a son of Amittai, um, who was, uh, you know, he was active as a prophet. So this was a man of God. This was a, a, a prophet. He was from the, the northern kingdom of Israel. He knew God. He spoke for God. God would tell him things. He would share it. He should know better than to try to run from God. But anyway, here he is running from the presence of the Lord. And this map might be a little hard to see. Can you see it? Um, if you see kind of over to the right, there's a letter A. You might just see a, a red balloon kind of at the, the very eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea. That is Joppa. Joppa is really close to uh, where Jonah lived. It said he traveled down to Joppa. He got on a boat and he set sail. Nineveh, you can see, is that second bubble to the top right, very far right of the screen. Nineveh was about 500 miles away, not uh, very close. That would have been uh, quite the journey for Jonah to take. Um, and, and it's interesting, this, what you see on the screen, is the entire known world. I can't think of a place where Jonah could have tried to get to that was further away than where he was supposed to go. He got on a boat clear over to Tarshish, and you can see that on the way left side, that's in um, like southern Spain, modern day Spain. That is quite the trek for Jonah to make. So it's really interesting that he tries to escape from the presence of the Lord, and he goes to the most, the furthest thing that he can find. And I don't know if, if he, this has ever happened to you, where um, you feel like God is maybe speaking to you about something, where God is, God is maybe trying to direct you or nudge you, or, or, or maybe you just know, you just feel in your heart, like this is the right thing to do, but there's, there's a little child inside all of us, <laughs> sometimes it's, that says, uh, no, right, and, um, and a lot of times we go the complete opposite way, um, we go so far away, and what, what I love about, about this thought is, no matter how far we try to run from God, He's never far, we can't get away from Him, God was always with him. And, and you may have, there may be a, a direction that God wants for your life. You may try to, to derail it. You can try to get off of it, but we'll see. Like God has a way of, of redeeming things. God has a way of taking you way off the beaten path and redirecting you and getting back on track. Um, and we'll see that in a little bit. Um, so what was so special about Nineveh? 
why, why was God sending Jonah to Nineveh? If you look at some of the other minor prophets, um, you, you can read through it. You see that there's all of this prophecy against Nineveh, that God was going to come and destroy Nineveh, and Nineveh was going to sink to the whatever, and all this pestilence and famine and uh, be overtaken by, by Babylon, and all, this, all of this stuff. Why, why send a prophet to Nineveh? Um, we'll, we'll talk about this again a little later, but one reason is uh, Nineveh was the capital of the nation of Assyria. And if you go back to, to any time around this time, up to like 2000 BC, all the way up to, you know, 650 BC, you can read about all of these horrible things that the Assyrians did. They were a wicked, wicked, wicked nation. Um, some of the things that they would do is when they would take over a, a, an enemy, a, a another country, they would um, cut off the, the heads of like the, the kings, the generals, and uh, you can read some of the writings of some of the kings of Assyria. It's like, I cut off all their heads and I stacked it in a pyramid. That's weird. Okay? Or I, I cut off their heads and, I, uh, and they hung them at the front gate and they would just sit there and rot. Um, they would capture the, the generals and they would literally skin them alive and then they would hang the skins on the walls of their city. This was a weird brutal, evil, evil nation. And um, Assyria, um, during the time of Jonah, was kind of uh, taking over more countries around it. I, I, it's not a great analogy, but it's similar to like uh, a nation like Russia taking over Crimea. You know, it's like there's, a, there's an aggressor state that we feel uncomfortable about um, that's expanding their borders. But the difference between us and and Israel, is Israel was right next to them. They were a neighbor. And so they, they had this fear that there is a, a nation that was growing in power, very wicked, that they were going to come and take them out. And there's something to know, too, about Jews of maybe all time, is that they had um, really strong negative feelings about other people. They were, they were racist. They were prejudiced. Um, they, uh, Jews did not like Gentiles of any kind. Um, so if you weren't a Jew... Um, if I was a Jew and you weren't a Jew, I didn't like you. It didn't matter uh, why or what or who or what. That's why the story of the, the Good Samaritan is so shocking because um, while the, if you remember that story, um, um, a man, uh, a, a Jew is beaten down and is on the road and a priest walks by, someone from the house of Levi, and they, they ignore him. But who's the one that saves him? A Gentile, a Samarian, Samaritan. Someone who is um, kind of ostracized, who's like the worst of the worst. So there's this, we have an understanding of, of uh, prejudice and racism. So let's jump back into Jonah. It's called to this evil city of Nineveh. Uh, a city that was full of Gentiles, wicked people, uh, people he didn't like. So he's, he, he got on a boat. Here we go. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had lain down, and was fast asleep. So, the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. That's what we're doing. Perhaps the God, the God will give a thought to us and may, that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let's cast lots that we may know whose account 
this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. I don't know what that looked like. Maybe they're rolling dice. Um, maybe they, they pulled straws, and the short straw was the bad person. But they had some kind of a system. It's like, maybe they did a spin the bottle thing, right? So we're all going to sit here. I'm going to spin, spin this bottle, and whoever points to is the bad guy. I don't know why that worked for them, but it, um, it, we'll call it a miracle. Um, and it landed on Jonah. So they said to him, okay, so tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where did you come from? Where are you going? What, what is your country? Um, of what people are you? What's your story? Why, why is the bottle pointing to you? Why did the lot fall to you? Um, what's going on? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the, man, the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. There's that phrase again. Because he had told them. You know, the gods that they served um, were false gods. They were little puny gods, right? I, I always like that um, scene from uh, the Avengers movie where Hulk grabs um, Loki, right? And goes, bam, 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 bam. This puny god. Um, some of you have seen that, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what these sailors, um, these mariners were worshiping, puny gods. They, they were a god of just a little thing. But um, when Jonah's talking about his god, he's the god of heaven. He's the god of land. He's the god of the sea. He's a powerful god. Um, he was a god that had reputation to these people, so they were afraid. Um, so they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet for us? And the, the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He then said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. The sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. How many of you, that would be your first thought? It's like, yeah, you, you know what, just, just throw me over. That's... <laughs> it, it's interesting because it kind of gives us a glimpse into the heart of Jonah. Even though he hated Gentiles, for some reason he had a little bit of compassion for these Gentiles that were on the boat with him. And he's like, I, he didn't want them to die. So it gave us a little window that maybe Jonah wasn't so bad. Maybe. We'll see later. Maybe not. Um, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. They didn't want to throw him over. They're like, if he really serves this God that can make this storm, this God is just going to punish us if we kill his man. So therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Um, Don't lay on us his innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Amazing. And this, this verse stands out to me. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. This is one of the, the themes in Jonah that really stands out to me. Sometimes, sometimes it seems like the people that don't serve God have more respect for God, have more fear of God, have more awe of God than people that know God really well and serve Him. That's illustrated here. The, the, these pagan men in this boat, um, when they, they saw the power of God displayed, they immediately um, checked themselves. They immediately said, what can we do? Um, we'll offer sacrifice. We're going to make promises. Like, we'll never do anything bad again. Just don't, you know, just don't do this to us. So it's just really interesting to me how Jonah can hear a direct word from God and runs. This man of God, this, this man who is a follower of God, hears a word from the Lord and runs away. But these pagan men just see, just see an act of God's power and they immediately turn uh, and, and uh, do what they can to serve them in their limited minds. So weird. 
I hope that no one could ever say that of us. That um, those of us that know God are learning about Him. Um, some of us uh, maybe know the Bible inside and out. Some of us are just starting to get to know God. But I hope no one can ever say that about us. That, um, that we have no respect for God. That we have less fear of God than even unbelievers do. That's a challenge to me. And the chapter 1 ends like this. The Lord appointed a great fish, not a whale, <laughs> okay, a fish, to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Incredible. Chapter 2, we're not going to read through the whole thing. Chapter 2 is, it starts and ends like this. He said, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Jonah prayed. It's like, okay, God, you have my attention. <laughs> right? And uh, how many of you think, like, God finally had a captive audience? You know, the, the, the you know, directly speaking, Jonah, go to Nineveh. It's like, no, I'm going to run away. And then the storm, and then, you know, toss me overboard. I don't know where Jonah's head was, like, all that time just trying to get away from God, wrestling with his prejudices, with his hate for the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians. But all of a sudden, God's got his attention, because guess what? Jonah is stuck inside a giant fish. And it wasn't a cavernous cave um, with all this room he could stretch out. And I, I think he was like, like basically, like there was no more room. That fish was like about ready to burst. It was so full. And so he has all these warm, uh, wet, slimy organs just, okay, it was probably cold, whatever. But all, all over him, okay, there's probably like half digested seaweed and, and all this stuff around him. And uh, there's, there's a, acids, you know, burning away his clothes, and um, I don't know what it was like to breathe inside a fish. I don't know, was he like half suffocated the whole time? Um, It was a very unpleasant place, Um, but it was in that place that Jonah cried out to God. What stands out to me here is how many of us have to like find ourselves at the bottom of a pit in the darkest place before we'll finally say, okay God, I'm listening. Um, there was, a, there was a, a, a lady who went to our church um, when I was growing up. And uh, I remember she, she told us a story like this. She was, she was just um, frantically busy. Busy, busy, busy. It was like she was in a panic mode of anxiety 24-7. She didn't have time for her husband. She didn't have time for her pet. She didn't have time for, you know, to socialize with other people, um, friends, to build relationships. Just go, 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 go. And then she got injured. I, I think she fell and, and uh, hurt her leg, and she ended up in the hospital um, for a few days. And, and she was like, she said to us, she was like, I was laying in that bed, and I, I realized, like, how I was not making any time for anybody or for anything important. And it took, it took a, a, a minor, in her case, a minor tragedy to slow her down, to re- take a step back and look at a bigger picture. And uh, that's just one small example, but it's like, is God trying to get your attention with something? Um, I hope that you don't wait until your life is in crisis before you'll start listening to him, because God has things for you. God has a word for you. God has a message for you. You can find it in his book. You can, you can find it um, with just fellowshipping with other Christians. God has so much he wants to speak into your life. But if you... Don't listen. You might end up in a, the belly of a great fish before, you know, you finally are able to say, okay, God, I see you're finally trying to get, I'm, I'm listening. What's interesting about this, um, this prayer is, uh, 
uh, it was probably written afterwards because it's a, a beautiful poem. Um, it's, it, there's a lot of Thanksgiving, uh, and I don't know how Thanksgiving you would be stuck inside a fish, but Jonah was probably wondering, like, God, I should be dead. There was a nasty storm. I should be at the bottom of the Mediterranean right now, but for some reason, I'm inside a fish. You must have a plan, because I've never heard of this happening, right? This isn't something that um, in prophet school they taught me about, right? Um, what, do you, what do you want? He cries out to God, and he, he thanks them, him for sparing his life. And he makes, he, it says in the verse 9, he says, I, 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 I will stay true to my vows. I will keep my promises. So God is like, oh, deal. <laughs> and then in verse 10, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I love that. This is a total, like, guy verse. Maybe some of you ladies are into that kind of thing. I don't know, but this is, this is totally a guy verse. Like, the, the fish, bleh, and just... So he's covered in seaweed. He's laying, laying uh, on the shore. Um, uh, some people say that the, the digestive juices would have eaten away all of his clothes, so he, was, he, was, he looked, probably look, looked like a, a raisin, you know, just naked, sitting on the, the shore. I don't know. Um, not a pleasant sight and not a pleasant thing, but Jonah was probably... Just really grateful to be alive. Chapter 3. Then the Lord came to Jonah the second time. How many of you have ever gotten a second chance? How many of you have gotten a third, fourth, fifth, sixth? (laughs) Yeah, right? Um, Praise God for second chances. Um, this This is such an important thing for us to take from this book. God gave Jonah a second chance. And I, I don't know about you, but if it wasn't for second, third, fourth chances, I would not be here today. I would not be... Um, let, let's just say my life would look so much different. I, I don't even know if I'd be alive if it wasn't for second chances. Um, not just from, from God, but from godly people um, who it just gave me another chance, right? People uh, that are able to forgive. Why, why was Jonah able to have a second chance? Maybe it's because he repented when he was in the belly of that fish. So there's a, there's a, there's a part there where we need to be humble before God. We need to be um, ready, to, ready to turn our lives around. But God is a merciful, compassionate God. And he will give us second chances when we don't deserve them. And if you think you deserve it, look out. Okay. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against, the, the, against it the message that I tell you. Get it right this time, buddy. All right. So Jonah ro- arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. What does that mean? Um, some people say it, it, it took three days to visit. Some people thought maybe it took three days to just walk across it. Um, the historians think that Maybe Nineveh, the city itself, wasn't big enough to be that big, so it might have included kind of the greater Nineveh metro area. You know, I don't know exactly, but, um, but there's a lot of people that lived here. Um, and we'll see towards the end, it was like 120,000 people lived in this area. Um, so it was a big city, an important city, the capital city of Assyria. And Nineveh was, was a uh, trading center, it was a cultural center. There's a lot going on here. So Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out. 
Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. We have an entire book about Jonah, trying to get Jonah to go to the city and give his message. And his whole message is like, what, nine words? (laughs) Okay, this whole thing. This was his message. Forty days, Nineveh will be overthrown. That's his whole message. At least what's recorded. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Again, just like we did with the sailors, I am shocked at how when people, uh, when people who have no belief in God, who have no kind of background with that, they, they're confronted with God and they show him more respect and more reverence and more fear than Jonah did. All they heard was this nine-sentence message, maybe more, but they heard this little message, 40 days, you're going you're gonna to die. This was a world power. This was a mighty nation. This was a nation that would go into invade another a nation. They would take away all of their um, wealthy people. They would take away all of their artistic, um, talented people, and they would bring them back to Assyria, and they would set their own governors up. This was not a nation that was pushed around. This was a nation that was strong. This was a nation that was feared. And they hear this little prophet who was, maybe still had a few wrinkles on him from the fish, you know, it's probably still stank like rotting seaweed. And he says, 40 days. And I mean, he is not, a, maybe not a compelling messenger. Why? This was a miracle. That all, this entire nation went to its knees. And we read a little bit more about it here. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. This was all outward signs of inward humbling. The greatest man of, the, one of the greatest nations of his time. Boy, that should, be, that should be something that strikes us right now, too. How many rulers do we see? Men of power. And I'm not just talking about our, our president, but, but other nations. Um, if you listen to the news um, half as much as I do, um, it's, it's, it's frightening how there's these people in power, and it's like, God, could you, could you just intervene in their lives. God, could you just allow them to be humble before you, to, to inwardly humble themselves and, and, and say, God, we're at your mercy. I would love to see that out of my president. I would love to see that out of um, people like uh, Bashar Assad, like, um, like uh, Vladimir Putin, and, and so many others that we could name. Um, we want to see humility before God from these people. So, and the king issued, verse 7, he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Isn't that amazing? They were going to fast. They were going to, everyone was going to humble themselves. And no man, no woman, no child, not even an animal was going to eat or drink until God relented. And you know, that got God's attention. So when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and did not do it. What an incredible story of God's grace, God's compassionate mercy. And if the story ended here, this would be just a beautiful, we'd put a little bow, bow tie on it and, and uh, let it go on its way and it, it would be so perfect. 
But it doesn't end there because God has more to show us. Let's look at this really quick. It, dis, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Why? This is a guy who had just, you know, spent three days hanging out with a fish. Uh, a guy who ran from God and, and God smacked him upside the head and, and now he was going the right way. Why would he be so mad about, we talked about this. He was racist. He was prejudiced. Um, and he prayed to the Lord. He said, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. You know, you, re- you look at that yellow bit up on the screen and that is something that we love about our God. We love that he is slow to anger, that he is, that he is, uh, that he is full of mercy and grace, abounding in love, relenting from disaster. Wasn't Jonah just... Um, giving praises and thanks to God for saving him from disaster. He was sitting in the belly of a fish and, he, and, and uh, God allowed him to be saved. And he said, thank you God for saving me. But then God saves an entire nation. It's just, it blows my mind. Therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And then God says, do you do well to be angry? Another, another version says, what right do you have to be angry? And then uh, this, the story ends really bizarrely. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what should become of the city. So after all this, Jonah was like, okay, maybe God will change his mind. I hate them. I hate them. I did what God told me to do. And, and uh, I had a bad attitude about it, but they still listened. Why did they listen? Now God's relenting. But, you know, maybe God will change his mind. I'm going to sit up here on this hill, and I'm going to wait for God to destroy them. Because Nineveh was just like Sodom and Gomorrah, and, uh, and, and God talked to me about this. I have seen the wickedness coming from this city. That is what God said about Sodom and Gomorrah. God saw the wickedness rising from them. And so God is probably going to destroy them just like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to sit here on this hill and wait until the whole thing goes up in flames. Because that's, let it burn. That's what I want to see. Jonah just was, had all this hatred. He was spewing, just waiting for God to do something. And uh, so the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, verse 6, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So weird. But when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm. said, worm, attack that plant. And so it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the, wind, the sun beat down in, in, on the head of Jonah so that he was, just, he was faint. And I'm wondering, did he have a bald spot? Maybe. And it burned. And he asked that he might die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, what right do you have to be angry about the plant? And he said, but he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And this is the last bit here. And the Lord said, you pity the plant. You're upset about the plant. For which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? You pity the plant, should I not pity Nineveh? 
And it kind of leaves us hanging there. And the, when I, I remember first reading through this when I was, when I was a, a, a young student. And I, was, I, I got re- done with the book and I, and, and I flipped it. I was like, is it really over? And I was like, what is the deal with this guy? This is a man of God. This is a, someone who should have compassion on the lost. This is someone who, who should be um, rejoicing. And, and, and he's sitting here just stewing. I don't get it. And, uh, and we could talk a lot about prejudice um, and, and how wrong it is. And it is wrong. We should have that same, like, like uh, God had compassion for this sinful city. These people that couldn't be more different from the Israelites. They couldn't be further from the ideal that, of what God wanted in, in people, but God had compassion on them. And there's two points that I want to end with this morning. Um, one, God ha- is compassionate for the lost. Everyone. There is not a person that God does not care about. I don't care if they're, they're a serial murderer, a serial uh, pedophile, anything. It doesn't matter how bad of a person they are. God cares about their soul. And I know a lot of times, you know, you and I, it's so easy for us to put barriers up. There might be someone who's a little different than us. Maybe they believe something different or look a little different from us. And it can be really easy for us to put up ex- reasons and excuses why we shouldn't go and talk to people. Like, I, I shouldn't tell my neighbor about Jesus. Uh, maybe God will send someone that's like them to them. That's not how it works. They're your neighbor, right? God, God wants all of us to care about everyone. God is compassionate for the lost. So compassionate. I, I look at all of these miracles that God performed just to get Jonah to go see these people. He brought a storm. Um, he caused Jonah to be uh, singled out by Lot, right? He pulled the short straw. That was a miracle. He made the storm worse, and then he stopped the storm. He caused the big fish to swallow him and then to vomit him out on, on the shore and gave him a second chance. God is passionate about, about these people. He's passionate for the lost. And God was going to get Jonah there one way or another because, because he cared about the lost. He cared about Nineveh. And it's kind of interesting to me, there's a couple other prophets, Amos was one of them that were ministering during this time. Why didn't God send one of them? Just let Jonah go to Tarshish. Why not send Amos or one of the other prophets? Because God is compassionate for Jonah's heart. God is compassionate for Jonah's heart. Why? Um, he, after all of this was done, God could have said, you know what, Nineveh is saved, Nineveh, Nineveh is turned, and now they, they want to do the right thing. You know, job done. Jonah, see you later. You can have a bad attitude, but I got out of you what I wanted to get out of you, and you can go back to whatever it was you are doing. That's not where God left Jonah, is it? After all of that, I, I'm, God was glad, I'm sure, that Jonah did what he was supposed to do, but God didn't leave him there. God made an effort to speak to Jonah, to, to try to speak to him about his heart. Jonah, why are you angry? You, you care more about this little plant than you do about these 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left hand. God cared about Jonah's heart. And we get to read this story now, today, because God doesn't just care about Jonah's heart. God cared about the Israelites' heart. There was real um, prejudice, racism, that existed in their people. And it exists in Scripture today because God cares about your heart. God cares about 
my heart. He doesn't want to just... Um, God cares just as much about what he can do through us as what he can do in us. I'll say that again. God cares just as much about what he... I'll say that in a different way. God cares just as much about what he can do in you as what he can do through you. Does that make sense? Like, he just doesn't want you to be a puppet to do, to do what he wants, be his hands and feet. That's important. God cares about you. He cares about your heart. He wants you to be in a good place. He wants you to be a man or a woman of compassion. He wants you to be a man or woman of integrity. He wants you to have a life that is fulfilling uh, and, and honoring to him. So there's two questions as we close this morning that we can just pull from this whole story of Jonah. Um, This is where it meets the road in your life. What is God prompting you to do? What is God wanting you to do? This is the through you part. What is God wanting you to do? Uh, Maybe another way to ask that is, uh, what are you running from? Okay, Jonah, Jonah was running. He, he knew that God wanted him to go to this city, and he had a lot of reasons not to. It's 500 miles away. It's a long way to go. I've got stuff to do. I don't like those people, and I probably could come up with a few more, but God, no, I don't want to do it. What are you running from? Is there something that, that you know is right to do um, that God has maybe been nudging you about, or, but you're just not? And maybe you're making up excuses like Jonah was. I don't know. And the second question is, is what is God prompting you to change? This is an inward thing. This is the inward looking inward. Um, and maybe another way to ask this is, why are you running? For Jonah, it was he had a, he had a, a bitter heart. He had a, he had a, a heart that was uh, prejudiced, um, what, what, is, what is God wanting you to change? Why don't you stand? God, you are amazing. And God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that, um, that you put in your amazing word this book of Jonah. God, if we, your word can be like a mirror to us. And God, as we look in the mirror of Scripture, um, sometimes it shows us things that, that we like. We can see that um, you love us, that you care about us. But God, sometimes it shows us things that make us uncomfortable. And God, we can see how there are some things about Jonah that just didn't measure up. And, and God, as we look at the mirror of Scripture, Lord, I just pray that would you reveal to us maybe some things that are going on in our lives that, that need some work. God, uh, you cared about Jonah so much. You didn't just leave him there on that hill to, to stew. But God, you, you, uh, you even performed more miracles just to get through to him. You caused a plant to grow overnight and then a worm to eat it and a wind to blow so, you, that, you could, so that you could speak to Jonah's heart. God, are you speaking to some of us this morning to our hearts through your word? God, there's, there's some of us in this room that, that maybe, maybe we're just waiting for a second chance. Maybe, maybe we've, uh, we've run 
um, and there's, there's things we're running from and there's reasons why we're running. But God, I believe that this morning you want to offer us a second chance. So, so God, if, that's, if you're speaking to anyone about that, God, I pray that they would take the opportunity. And finally, God, I, I thank you. Jonah said it uh, in despair, but God, we say it with great joy. God, you're a gracious God and merciful. You're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. God, I pray that you would help us to learn from your word. God, I pray that we would be, uh, that we would reach out to those that are different from us. God, that we wouldn't hold back um, because of things that are petty. And God, I pray that you would help us to pursue all that you have for us. God, help us to take advantage of a second chance. And help us, God, to trust in your compassionate, merciful love. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, our, our prayer ministers are going to be up here. If you um, want to just pray with them about anything going on in your lives or maybe something that God spoke to you about in your heart, we would want to open this up to you. Otherwise, um, God bless you. Have a great weekend.